church? Yeah. If uh, you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to take, uh, flip them open to Mark, Mark chapter 1. We are now in the fourth week of the season after Epiphany. And, uh, of course, Epiphany is that season now that you're remembering having gathered here together over the last four weeks that we remember the breaking in of the Christ child and the star, right? The illumination of God's presence of the Lord with us. Well, Mark chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 21, all right? Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue, and there he began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement, as you could imagine, gripped the audience. And they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Indeed. First, relationship. Second, love. Then, knowledge. See, first, relationship. Second, love. Then knowledge comes authority. And finally, a word. A word spoken. (laughs) This is a a poem titled Tuesday Authority. I liked it, so I wanted to read it to you. Some people want to eat their words. Me? I'd rather regurgitate mine, throw them up, flushing down the toilet, big words, long words, important words, poisonous words, difficult words, in words. In the words of the song, I'm so sick of words. Just let me say this. If I could get a word in edgewise, you never listen to a word I say. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels. Passwords, cover words, swear words, not me. Lying in your teeth words. But without words, there are no stories. Even the artist in the cave had a word to distinguish horse from bull and to translate the images distinctly. Perhaps the key is in the way you use them. Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? To answer these questions requires the use of many more words, discerning words, listening words, evaluating words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. I want to write my story in flesh, embody it, incarnate it, 
poem from Kathy Galloway. So a word shows up and enters the scene here in Mark. And the word says, be quiet. Come out of the man. And people were shocked at the authority that the word spoke. I'm convinced that this authority that gave life to a word came from knowledge. A knowledge that is beyond us, a knowledge that has Genesis type of knowledge. A knowledge that is in the beginning, but it is not the only knowledge in this story. You see, in the Mark 1 passage, there was a word that came to a very sick man. There was a word that had the power and the ability to look beyond what possessed the man to see the man. There was a word spoken to the unclean spirits that looked beyond them to the body that was possessed by the unclean spirits, the word was able to speak directly to the man. And this word was ripe with authority. I'm convinced, Gene, that this authority came from knowledge, a special type of knowledge, a holy knowledge, but it was not the only knowledge in this story. There's two other forms of knowledge in this story. We see the first form in the structures of the synagogue, in the religious teachers in the day, in the people like me who buzzed their head and held mics on Sunday morning. They showed up on the scene and they had knowledge. They knew. They knew with a type of archaic rigidity, they knew. With a type of academia, they knew. They knew intellectually, they knew what they knew that they knew. That they know. They knew doctrine. And doctrine was literal, but doctrine was dead. They breathed this knowledge of the righteous ones. They breathed, but the breath in which they breathed had no power, had no spirit. It did not live. You ever met someone that breathed with no life? That just took up air. (laughs) Of course, you're sitting by one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. These teachers, these righteous ones, they breathed with no authority, no power, no life. They were utterly destitute of majesty. I'm actually quoting words from John Calvin as he reflected on this passage. They were utterly destitute of majesty. There was no secret. Do you ever, anyone else here, get totally bummed out when Google Maps came out? Like, I love Google Maps, right? But I realize just, I'm a little slow, I'm behind the curve. Google Maps has been out for a long time. I just realized this a couple years ago. That there's no mystery left with Google Maps. If I want to know what's behind this wall... I can just get on my phone right now and pull up satellite images and I can find out what's behind this wall. It's not too exciting to know what's behind this wall. But have you ever been driving down the road and you see this meandering country road that juts off from the one that you're on and it goes around the hills and up and down and you just kind of, it's a mystery, right? Where it goes and you wonder about the venture and what might live out just beyond the mountains, you know? And, uh, but the mystery's all gone now with Google Images. There's, 
there's no mystery left. You just, you, you get to where you're going, um, and you pull it up, and you see what's over there. There's, there's man, that, that's such a, there used to be this wide world out there, right? I guess we're going to find it, Rex, when we go to Mars, when we get there in a few years. Then, then we'll have mystery back. But right now, on this earth, there's no mystery anymore. We even know, we even know what's in the Amazon jungle. You can look it up right now, and if that's more exciting to you than my sermon, I encourage you to do it. Maybe you'll find God there. Just look up the Amazon jungle and uh and, and you'll see it's kind of a bummer because i don't no longer have to travel to brazil to see the amazon jungle i can just pull it up on my phone you ever been bummed when the mystery leaves your life oh you remember when you first got married oh my gosh <laughs> everything was new <laughs> And it was great. And if it was, if you didn't have sex when you first got married, the first time you had sex, that was incredible. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a whole new world, man. <laughs> yeah, right? Listen, I used to tell my teenagers this all the time, and we don't have the young ones in here. I used to tell my teenagers this all the time. Sex is not bad. Sex is very good. And if you're having it, you're participating in something that is holy. It is so stinking good. And then I would go on to say that it has its proper context, but you all, I think we all understand that. We all understand it here. Sex, sex has its proper context, okay? Okay. Okay, just want to make sure if we all hear that this morning. I'm off the path. I'm, off, I'm away from the notes, oh boy. <laughs> Girls, I'm just teasing. I'm serious, but teasing. Okay, moving on. <laughs> and then we, we tend to rip that mystery and that beauty right out of its sacredness when it becomes embodied in forms of pornography or when we share it amongst many partners, when we participate in contexts in which it wasn't meant for, the mystery and the beauty of it, the gorgeousness that God made for the unity of human bodies kind of gets destroyed, right? And it loses its luster. And not only informed in those forms of sin, but how about um, married couples when you're arguing? When you're fighting, the mystery and beauty of that first week of marriage. Have you ever met someone or known yourself to lose the mystery? In this passage, the word showed up and it spoke to a context that did not have mystery, only had the knowledge of archaic intellectualism. They knew what they knew that they knew and they didn't need mystery anymore. They didn't need the wonders of evolution anymore. They knew exactly how everything happened. And they didn't need the mystery of the far-out universes and the galaxies and the stars and the beautiful God that spoke them all to being. See, these archaic, intellectual, almost stones stood before Jesus. They knew what they knew. But their knowledge did not come from relationship, the type of relationship that lives and dances with the lover, the type of relationship that wakes up 
on the day after the marriage and snuggles in close and holds the partner into their chest and revels at the love that has blossomed from the relationship and then looks deep into the eyes of the lover and says, I know you now like I've never known you before. Oh, a type of mystery, this love. How deep and how wide, how courageous this love that it bursts in us. This new type of authority, man, that comes from the knowledge that had its place in love that began in relationship. Now we speak with power. I know. I know my loved one. I have knowledge and I have authority. I can speak. I can even sign papers on behalf of my spouse. I have authority. And I have a word. I now have a word that I can speak. That's been spoken that continues to speak. A word that lifts me up when my days are broken. A word that comes and captures my mind when it's in the midst of ADD. A word. And that word is Jenny's, I love you, and I know you, and I have authority because I have relationship with you. First, relationship. Second, love. Then, knowledge. Comes authority. Finally, a word, the Sadducees did not have relationship. They were like stones. So their knowledge was empty. You ever showed up at the church without any relationship with God? And you wonder where the power went? And you look around and you wonder why the singing is dead. You ever showed up to worship with your church and you have no relationship? You wonder where love is. And you look at the person sitting to your left and the person sitting to your right, and all you can think about is the bad, nasty things you're thinking about. The knowledge that you have of that person or the knowledge you have of the thing that I'm doing or the knowledge you have of the thing Kevin does isn't ripe with God knowledge. It's dead because there's no relationship. You see, first comes relationship. Then comes love. You see, first relationship, second love, then knowledge. Oh, then you can sing. (laughs) Then you can sing as loud as you want to sing because you have authority. Oh. Finally, word. But the Sadducees are too much like me. They go weeks without walking with God. They go years without walking with God. They've just come to know about God, but they don't know God. They've lost all relationship. They've lost love in their hearts. And so when the word shows up and speaks, an amazement and awe happens. The Sadducees look as if they just experienced another Tuesday morning. There's another type of knowledge. I'm breathing heavy. I need to work out more. Derek, there's another knowledge. It's the knowledge of the unclean spirits. You notice that? The unclean spirits actually knew who Jesus was. The Sadducees didn't even know who he was. That's a whole other point that I won't even get to, okay? I'll just stick to this one, that the unclean spirits cried out from the man, We know you. St. Augustine calls this a sword of faith. 
He says this is kind of like faith. His words are a sort of faith. This isn't real faith. It's not genuine faith. They're not following Jesus. They just know about Jesus. And so I began to wonder what creates a sort of faith. A type of faith that can lead us to the front of the sanctuary to look at a candle and say, I know that is a candle, but it's a rift of all power, all authority. The light means nothing. I wondered about that. How in the world can I live my daily life with the word that speaks and cast out demons, yet I do not experience mystery, wonder, or awe? I'm just sitting in the basement with my Bible. I wondered about this sort of faith that I had. I just, I'm calling myself out so I don't have to call you out. It's, it's called a work of grace, okay? <laughs> a sort of faith lacks relationship. It depends only on intellectual knowledge. And finally... It's without charity. A sort of faith is a faith without love. That can hold your Bible, but not experience the reality of the word. Why is that? Have you ever wondered why all your prayers are about you? Have you become frustrated with the absence of the presence of God? And that is real, man. And that is okay, friend. That's okay. You're not weird. You just join your pastor. We'll doubt together. Are you a doubter? Me too. Let's doubt together. Have you ever wondered where that power went? The power of the hour that you first believed. That power. Do you remember that time? It was almost as good as the time you first got married. (laughs) That time when you met God. And perhaps your time, I know I'm looking at some, perhaps your time came in an actual, sorry, I want to back up. Maybe your time came in one of those older times where a pastor that talked like me, that spit a lot and got sweaty. I know I'm old. I know I don't fit the mold of a normal 35-year-old. I get that. And you found your way down to the altar and you prayed and you found God. Do you remember that time? Oh, man. What's different about that time than today? See, first comes relationship. That time where I saw Jenny at Tower Tavern. Don't tell anybody I met my wife at a bar. It could ruin my career, okay? That time that I met Jenny at Tower Tavern, and she thought I was really good at pool, and so she asked me to play pool. I told her I was a pool shark. <laughs> like, uh, the, the kind of, like, I stuck my chest out a little bit, and she goes, are you good at pool? And I said, yeah. And I, <laughs> and I went, and I went, and I played pool, and I'm awful at pool. But we talked, Miriam, we talked for three hours. We talked first relationship. 
Oh, man, we talked so much. We talked for so long. And I didn't know what happened to me. But whomever I was talking to was different. And it's like I was intoxicated. Not for the reasons you think I was intoxicated. Not that. I was intoxicated by the beginnings of love. And I dare not call it love. We called it like. We would text each other and we would say, ooh, I like you so much. I like you very much. There's something dangerous about love. But see, first, relationship. Second, love. And love began on the night I had my relationship with Jenny. I got to tell you the story now. I didn't plan to tell you this. I got to tell you now. So we talked for three hours. I didn't know what to do. I'm super naive and just an Indiana kid. I don't know, I don't know how to pick up girls. And I knew, without shadow of doubt, I knew that whatever girl I was going to marry, I would never meet that girl at a bar. That's just not Nazarene. And so I knew if my dad had been there, please, dad, don't listen to this. If I knew my dad had been there, uh, he'd, be, he, he'd tell me to leave. It'd be bad. And so that's exactly what I did. I talked to a girl solely, her and I, the whole world kind of like left. I think we were the only two people in the room. She's all I remember. And, uh, and, and I left that night just shaking her hand saying, Jenny, nice to meet you. And I left. <laughs> I left. <laughs> I left. Um, and uh, I got out to the truck with my friend Brian. And I said, man... I said, that girl was really cute. And, uh, and uh, Brian said, I'll drive you back. I said, really? He's like, yeah, I'll drive you back. I've never done. I've, praise be to God, I've never done this since, and I've never done it prior, okay? This is the last number I ever asked from a girl in that way, in that way, okay? Wendy, if I ask for your cell number, it's not like that, okay? Okay. That's the last, that's the last real number I asked for, Okay. And so Brian said, I'll drive you back. And I said, really? He said, yeah. So we drove back. And there I went, back into Tower Tavern, back to find that girl. And she was about to leave. She had her coat around her arm. She had her check in her hand. And uh, she can tell you what I said. I can't remember what I said. I was so nervous. Um, I think I said something like, hey, Jenny, <laughs> when we get nervous, why do we go high-pitched? Why do we do that? <laughs> Hey, I go. Hey, Jenny. Um, do you care if I like I get your number and I call you sometime? Two days later, I called her. I've never stopped calling her. First relationship. It's a trip back to you. It's a number. It's your smile. It's a longing that hasn't since quit. Second love. It's born from all those trips back to you, a flame fanned the fire. You, a longing for you, eternal and now transformed soul, longs for you. I didn't write this for you. I wrote this for her. Then, knowledge, how you know me and all my trips to see you. How you love me, you look into me, you know me, begetting knowledge of you comes authority. Allow me to speak about what I've come to know about all those trips, dialing that number, falling into your knowledge, trip after trip, sight after sight. May I speak what I know, authority to say a thing or two about love. Finally, word. I am not the same. Praise be to God. Jenny has changed me. Your embrace has freed me, smile found me, beauty arrested me. Those trips formed a word upon my tongue in the beginning. 
it was good and it was you. Life and light, bones and flesh, words, knowledge, authority, relationship and love first. Relationship second, love. Then knowledge comes authority. Finally, word and my word is I love you. Love me. I'm not a poet. And I don't know where that necessarily came from. But I wrote it as I thought about this journey with Jesus and our lives. That can be so many words and so much knowledge, but lack authority. And I begin to imagine the order of these things, how they came to be, and why didn't the unclean spirits, why didn't they have authority? And why didn't the Sadducees, why, why, why didn't they have authority? They knew so much, but it's like they knew so little. If you'd walk this passage back with me, what you would find is a word that shows up speaking authority based in knowledge from the Father as if they were one. Beget from love that began in the beginning when the us created the world. If you read Genesis chapter 1, you'll see that it's in plural language. Who is the us? It's the Father, it's the Son, it's the Holy Spirit. Or who are in relationship with one another. And they danced with one another. They embraced one another. And in the relationship and in their friendship, you know when you have relationship, it's just natural to give life to something else, right? You either give life to to Bridget, who we'll dedicate next week, or you give life to something else, some new adventure, some new place, some new work. You can't help, even if you're barren, you can't help but give life. It's of God. You just give life when you're in love. Life comes from you. And see, when this word shows up, it comes from a relationship that first happened in the beginning, a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so much love, they couldn't continue. And so in the love with one another, out comes creation and life and love. A fourth thing, a whole new world. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit throw themselves into this love relationship, giving it knowledge. So you'll never be fulfilled until your knowledge goes back to the beginning. You'll never have power. You'll never have authority. You'll always spend your days longing for what's next, or more like what we do now. You'll always spend your days with your thumb going up trying to find something that makes meaning out of your life. Don't you know you won't find power there? You'll look for it, and it will disguise itself as authority. And you might think that that person has authority, or that per, that thing, or that entity, or that organization, but at the base of it, 
It will just be an empty structure to have any type of authority. You got to go back to your first knowledge that love that created you out of an excess of relationship, that love that desires you to walk in the cool of the garden with him, with them, with her. They long for you to walk in the garden beside them. I'll close with this. You're probably just figuring this out, but I didn't have really any notes. So, Rex, thank you for your prayer. I needed it. I just had a poem that I wrote that I just knew I needed to share it, and that's all I had. Um, and I think that's okay. I hope you're okay with that. If you're not okay with it, come back next week. I'll do better. Okay. Um, I know you're not here for me, and I'm not here for me. This is why this is where all this comes from. If all I give you is the knowledge and authority that comes from me, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry on the days that has happened. If you come to board meeting and all I give you is the knowledge that I've learned, oh dear God, forgive me, I confess. I think about this. I think about what St. Luke's East would look like. Because you know your job is valid, right? You know you were called to ministry, right? Your job is so important. And what you do, I couldn't do it. That's why God called you. I love that we have a whole congregation full of people and cool jobs. You're doing the real work, man. That, that's it. I mean, this fake work, man. This is you. This real work. What you do is real. And could you, could you imagine Walking into your place of employment, whether that, that, I always pick on the bank. Why do I always pick on the bank? Whether that be the bank or be that St. Luke's East or be that Beacon Contracting or perhaps that's the Foundry Publishing or wherever it is that you may find yourself at work, could you imagine speaking up with a word that's drenched in amazement and awe? Perhaps it's a word like Matt Kramer told me about today who says the way that I deal, and he would be so embarrassed that I was mentioning him, but don't tell him. He's sitting right out there. Don't tell him. Matt told me that his coworkers often ask him where he learns to talk with such graciousness. If you don't know Matt, he's a manager at a restaurant. If you've never worked at a restaurant, it's almost impossible to have grace working at a restaurant. But his coworkers is beginning to know that the words that Matt used are giving life. They give life to his employees. They give life to the customers. They're giving life to Matt. Now, is Matt telling the full truth? Of course not. Don't tell him that. He's human. He's just like me. (laughs) There's days where his words aren't the words that he knows he should use. But praise be to God that Matt is learning new language, right? He doesn't have to be perfect. He just has relationship, right? And this relationship is budding a love within Matt that gives birth to knowledge, that gives him authority to talk to his employees with a word drenched with grace. And in our world, grace is an amazing, awe-struck miracle. When a Democrat can go to church with a Republican, you all, we are a miracle. Right? 
we could, let's not go big. Let's start small. Celebrate the small things, right? Expectations down a little bit. Our life will be better, okay? These things are works, right? The small things. You don't have to be perfect. It's just the small things that, like the fact in 2011, you had four affairs, but somehow you are all still here. You realize that's a miracle. (laughs) And there's only one way that that can happen. It's with people that have an actual relationship that dances in love, that gives birth to real knowledge, that comes authority and a word. And so what I imagine, I imagine 70 of us waking up tomorrow morning and walking into the world with a word. (laughs) Praise be to God. Pastor.